everyone, and welcome. I'm really glad you're here with us, wherever you're joining us from. I'm Ben. Uh, are you ready to grow today? I hope so. What if we all just committed to uh, saying, let's take a step of growth, whatever God might suggest to you. That'd be a really good thing. Let's get started, okay? First, I'd like you to think of a relationship that matters to you, okay? Think of that relationship especially it needs to be a relationship that you'd like to see get better, all right? Think of a relationship that matters that you'd like to see get better. It might be a relationship with a friend of yours. It, it might be the first thing that might have come to your mind is your relationship with, with your wife or your husband maybe, or maybe it's a relationship with a spouse or a roommate, a relationship you'd like to see get better. Maybe it's with your parent. Maybe it's someone at work, a neighbor, Maybe we've even prayed about it, like, God, I just really need your help with this relationship, right? What is that relationship? We're going to get some help with that today. And in fact, here's what I'm going to ask you to do right now. Share the link uh, uh, right now with someone who's watching that you know that might benefit from talking about that very thing, okay? While you're doing that, uh, let me tell you um, what I did this week. I, um, I researched a little bit about TV shows. I don't watch a lot of TV, I'll tell you. I, I watch a little bit of tennis. I watch a little bit of Minnesota Viking football and maybe some Ravens once in a while. But um, I learned there's some really bizarre TV programs out there right now. Uh, these reality shows. One was called Love is Blind. Please tell me you've not watched this show. It's this raging thing on Netflix right now. And, and these people who never have actually seen each other in person, get engaged. And, and then they, you know, of course, get married and then it all spirals downhill from there and ends in a bunch of tears and all of that. There's another show called 90 Day Fiance. Oh, wow. Yeah, 90 Day Fiance. Th this is um, where some people from around the world are matched with an American and they have a visa for 90 days and, and they, they get three months to either get married or call it quits. There's another one called Seeking Sister Wife. Yeah, for sure. Like this is a reality show where a married couple tries to find another wife to bring into their relationship. Um, hashtag issues. Uh, I, wow. Then I, I heard about one called Too Hot to Handle. They put a bunch of young college kids in a resort and they offer them a bunch of money if they don't have sex and do some other stuff. There's another weird one called My Five Wives. I think that's self-explanatory. You get the idea. It seems like we're obsessed with relationships, aren't we? We're obsessed with relationships and these reality TV shows that actually aren't very real at all are kind of depressing. And you look at the rest of TV shows that we often look at for relationships like Seinfeld, Friends, Mad Men, you know, I don't know what, what relationships you think of there on, on shows like Community or Parks and Rec, whatever. They all kind of center around conflict in relationships and difficulty. And maybe one reason we like shows like that, reality TV and otherwise, is that it, we look at that dysfunction and maybe it just makes us feel a little bit better about some of our dysfunction. I don't know. You know, the circumstances of COVID have put a lot of pressure on a lot of people. Uh, we're under an emotional uh, vice, really. And so much emotional health is struggling. People are stressed out. There's the weirdness of work and school and the economy and everything that's going on. And you know, it's put tremendous pressure on relationships as well. And when you put pressure on something, you know what happens is whatever's inside kind of squirts out. 
And that's what we're seeing happen right now. Maybe you've heard the expression, adversity doesn't build character, it reveals it. It reveals it. The stresses of this pandemic have probably caused some problems in relationships, but mostly, you know, what I think it's done is it's brought stuff that was already there to the surface and revealed it. And it's doing the same thing in relationships. See, the true character of a relationship is revealed in a time of crisis. It's revealed. So if your relationship was pretty healthy before March, right? If it was built on a good foundation, you might feel the strain right now, but you're weathering the storm probably okay. But if you had a flimsy friendship or a weak relationship and it had all kind of chinks and cracks in it, well, you know, COVID has gotten in there and spread that out even wider and exposed the weaknesses that were already there. You know, and when it comes to relationships, in a time of crisis, you don't get to decide what's gonna happen. You just reveal what you've already built. See, that's, that's what we're feeling. So COVID and 2020 has revealed a lot hasn't it? Think of what 2020 has revealed. In fact, I'm going to encourage you to hop in the chat right now or the comment section, and you can just tell everyone what 2020 has revealed to you, all right? I actually already did this while you're typing in. I did this on Facebook this week. This is what y'all said um, 2020 has revealed. COVID, you said, revealed that you have very little discipline with eating. Yep, that's me. No judgment zone right here. I've got some pandemic pounds myself. Someone else said, I learned that in Zoom world, pants are optional. Someone else said, I've learned that I can wear the same sweatpants 14 days in a row. Keeping with the theme of pants, someone else said, I learned that I can wear the same jeans five days in a row. They stretch out and get baggy and make it look like you're losing weight. <laughs> a little antidote for the first one about pandemic pounds. I also learned someone said that my house isn't messy because I don't have the time, but because it turns out I just really don't like cleaning it. Someone else said, I wish, I, I reveals, I wish I would have bought stock in Amazon or Zoom. And someone else said, this year has revealed that some people will never remember to hit unmute on a Zoom call, right? Some of you actually typed in more important things. You can keep typing in the chat as we're talking along here. Some of you said, I revealed how much I really appreciate my family. Some of you said things like, it, it showed me how much I miss hugs, how much my faith is so important to me and how God is real and always provides. It also kind of revealed some serious things. Some of you said, I'm an introvert and I can't believe I'm saying this, but right now I realize how much I really do need people. Someone else said, I learned that my commitment to sobriety was propped up by me having a routine and keeping busy. But now once those props were kicked out, I fell. I learned that I have some not so good habits that I go to, I lean on, I escape to when I'm worried and stressed and things are out of control. We learned a lot of things. It's revealed a lot of things. And guess what? It's revealed a lot of things about our relationships as well. Maybe it's revealed some good things about your relationships, like how strong your marriage is, maybe. That'd be great. How dear some of your friends are and what they mean to you, like who stayed in touch, how precious family time is with your kids. But I'll bet, I'll bet that if you really pay attention, it's probably also revealed some areas where relationships need to grow because things have been exposed. Someone said, I learned that my significant other and I were not maybe as committed to each other as we thought. 
Another one said, during this time, I learned that the more I'm around my spouse, the more we bicker. Someone else said, you know, under stress, I've learned that I get angry and I take it out on the people around me, whoever they may be and how much ever I love them. Or maybe you saw a way that your kid is acting up and you really don't like it and then you realized they got it from you. Or maybe your typical approach as a young person is to go to your room and avoid your parents, but the longer this has gone on, the more it's caused you to see you really are avoiding a relationship with your parents. Or maybe you've had time to think and deal with some things from your past. Or maybe you had a dating relationship that was just pretty much based, you know, on sleeping together. And when you couldn't be around each other all the time, it kind of made you realize there wasn't much depth there. We're talking about getting real. That's real. Getting real relationships. Like, how do we do that? Here's what I know. We need help in our relationships it's always been true, but it's especially true right now. And I think we're leaning in with some extra interest right now. Maybe that's you. Remember, as we talked about last week, our goal is not going to be perfection, having perfect relationships, but our goal is to make progress. Like, what can I do today? What's the step I need to take today? Last week, we began by saying the most important thing you can do for any relationship is that you take care of your primary relationship with God first. That's the most important thing you can do. First, things first. God made us for a relationship. He made us for a relationship with himself. And whenever we pursue a person first, man, they're never enough. It never works out. So this, this week as we move forward, I want to ask you to think about that relationship you were thinking about already. The one you'd like to see get better. You know, everybody can do that. Everybody can say, you know, I've got this relationship that I, I really hope gets better. And you know what everyone else does immediately? We say, man, I really hope they're listening to this right now because, man, they, there's a bunch of stuff they really need to do to change to make this relationship better. I hope they're tuning in right now. Glad I sent them that link because they really got to change some things. You see that? We're, we're convinced that our relationships would do better if everyone else would do better, right? Turns out this problem is not unique to me or you. It actually goes way, way back, actually to the beginning of time. If you open your Bible to the first few pages, we're drawing from Genesis again. And you get this picture in Genesis 3 of Adam and Eve, the first humans. They're in the garden, and the Bible has this great phrase that says they're naked and without shame. This perfect picture of intimacy and joy, and there's no guilt or shame, just openness and love. But the crafty serpent comes along, and he starts casting doubt on what God had told him about what they could do and couldn't do and kind of whispers, you know, did God really say you couldn't eat from that tree? Seems a little restrictive, doesn't it? I mean, it's not really going to be that bad for you, is it? And the woman looks at the fruit and she's pretty soon. She's like, well, it does look pretty good to me. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling kind of hungry. I think I'd like a taste of that. She and Adam are standing right there. She takes a bite, hands one to him. He takes a bite. And in that moment of rebellion where we pushed against God's way and thought, I think I know better than God. In that moment, they no longer looked at God or each other in the same innocent, pure, unashamed way, but they start running around and covering up with fig leaves and hiding from one another and hiding from God. God comes and says, Adam, why are you hiding? He says, I, don't, I was afraid. Afraid? Afraid of what? I hid. So Genesis 3, verse 11 and 12, God asks, who told you that you're naked now? God asked, Adam, did, did you eat of the fruit of the tree that I commanded you 
not to eat? And the man answered, it was the woman. <laughs> Points at the woman. The woman that you gave me. It's kind of your fault, God. You gave her to be with me. And she gave me, then I, then I ate a little, you know, tiny little bite. <laughs> you see the fingers flying around at everybody? Isn't that interesting? Verse 15, the Lord God turned to the woman and said, uh, so what is it that you have done? And the woman said, oh, the serpent, he deceived me. And then, of course, I ate, and then he ate, and we all ate. You know, And the first time on planet Earth, you've got this thing where relationships start playing the blame game. They start playing the blame. It's his fault. It's her fault. Everyone, fingers are flying in every direction. Not my fault. And we've been shirking responsibility and playing the blame game in relationships ever since, haven't we? It's amazing, really. You see what happens here? Sin enters the world, and the very first thing that happens is we start, we stop being vulnerable and open and free, and afraid, we're afraid, and we start blaming and pointing fingers. It was the devil, it was her, it was him, it was God. And we still do the same thing today. We say things like, that wasn't me, I'm not that person, it's not who I am, or that's not right, you just, you kind of made me so mad, it's your fault, that's why I acted that way. Anything to avoid saying, oh my gosh, look what I did. I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. And resetting and starting over. If they would just stop leaving the dishes all over the place, if, if he would just pick up his socks, <laughs> right? Then I wouldn't have to be so angry. If she would be more attentive and meet my needs, then I wouldn't be so tempted. From the earliest pages of the Bible, you see, we, we get this, this idea it's like God wants us to see that when we focus on the other person and what they're supposed to be, it takes our eyes off of what he's hoping will be. And we're missing it. In the, in the next chapter, it says Adam and Eve raised Cain. And that was their kid's name. They were able to do that with their other son, whose name happened to be Abel. And remember, they, they come and they give this uh, offering to the Lord. Both of them do. And Cain was a farmer. He gives this gift to the Lord, but you get the impression it wasn't that big of a deal to Cain or to God. Abel, on the other hand, makes a deep sacrifice and gives like the best that he had to God. And the Bible says that God was really pleased with Abel and his gift and what that registered and what it meant, but not so much with Cain. And Cain, Cain was angry and he was upset and God comes and just speak some responsibility to, to, to Cain. And he says in verse 6 of chapter 4, Why are you so angry? Listen to the, listen to the you language here. Why do you look so dejected? He says, you will be accepted if you do what's right. But if you refuse to do what's right, then you better watch out because sin is going to be crouching at your door, eager to get a hold of you, Cain. And you better be alert and subdue it and master it or it's going to master you. You can see God just saying, don't make this look like this is Abel's fault. This is on you, Cain. But Cain doesn't take responsibility for that. He rejects all of that and he turns inward and he becomes even more afraid and angry and more selfish. You ever done that? Someone points out something to you and you get defensive or maybe you're afraid or scared or mad so you just become even more selfish. And you rehearse how bad you're being treated how much the other person's at fault. That's exactly what Cain did. It started right here. 
And instead of taking responsibility, keeps pointing fingers, it's his fault, keeps playing the blame game, throwing it around. And that blame game festers and, and gets so ugly in his heart. He says to his brother Abel, you know what? Let's go out in the field and go for a walk. They get out there and he attacks him and he kills him and lies, leaves him lying there in the field in a pool of blood because blaming others makes us selfish. And you see it in the extreme here. When it's always someone else who's the problem, you've got a problem. When I say it's always someone else, it's, that's about me. Genesis 4.9 is so tragic. The Lord comes to Cain and says, where is Abel, your brother? This person that you have a relationship with, this relationship that matters to you. And Cain says, all he can say is, I don't know. That's a lie. Am I my brother's keeper? The answer is, yeah, you are. You are your brother's keeper. And we're all responsible to do our part in relationships that really matter. The most important thing we need to do to help our relationships get better is not play the blame game, but listen, take responsibility. Take responsibility, not for the whole relationship, but you take responsibility for you. I take responsibility for me. Galatians 6, 5 says it this way. For we are each, what's the word? Responsible. We're each responsible for our own conduct. So let me ask you a question. Who's responsible for your conduct? Who's responsible? You should be answering right now, I am. And I have to say the same. I am. But you should have heard what she said. I know it was, it was so horrible. I know I shouldn't have been so ugly. I know I shouldn't have punched her in the nose. And I shouldn't have keyed her car. And I shouldn't have put that picture of her on the internet. And I shouldn't have lied to her boss so she got fired. But man, if you'd heard what she said, she had it coming. Wait a second. Who's responsible for what you do and say? You are. That's a biblical principle. We're each responsible. Romans 14, uh, verse 10 and 12 says, you know, remember, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God, and every one of us is going to give a personal account to the Lord. I, I talked to a guy who, who had some real issues in relationships. He was struggling, and he acted like he had no idea why he was having all these troubles. He was treating people badly wasn't following through on commitments. He was kind of manipulative and toxic to the place where people were like, word got around, don't get in a relationship with this guy at all. I confronted him on it when he, when he started talking about it. And he said, well, I am the way I am because of the way my mom treated me. I said, oh, really? Tell me about that. And he told me this horrible story, and it was tough. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he went through a lot, a lot. I felt really bad for him. But you know, the reason I felt bad for him was not just because of what his mom did to him a long time ago, but because he was still using that as a reason to treat people bad today. And he wasn't taking responsibility for his own life. So I tried to find a way of saying, you know, how long are you going to blame your mom for what you're doing? I mean, you're the one who's going to reap what you sow. And we all give an account. And when you stand there before the Lord, it's not going to work to say, hey, wait a second, Lord, let me go get my mother as a, as a, as a witness here. No. She's going to stand alone and so will you. So, so the best part is we have Christ as our advocate. 
He's our friend who's given his life to cover our failures, cover our shortcomings, cover our sin, cover all the problems and the garbage and all that stuff, that even the stuff you inherited from mom. Christ can enter in and heal that. But at the end of the day, what you got to do today in every relationship is take responsibility. You got to do that part. No one can do it for you. I hear this all the time in, in people talking about their faith. Oh, I want to grow in my faith, but I'm waiting for my friend or my husband to join a small group, and then I will. Or I want to get involved in the church and I really do want to grow, but there's so much going on. Maybe when things slow down or when my kids grow up or when the job changes or I'm so tired after work. Take responsibility. Who's responsible for your physical health, for how much sleep you get and what you put in your mouth? You are. You should all be saying, I am, right? I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not saying we don't got a boatload of good excuses. We do. I'm just asking you whose job it is so we don't waste time saying, yeah, you know, the gym is closed for a while with COVID, so of course, you know, I have to eat more Twinkies. No, it doesn't work that way. And who's responsible for our spiritual health and our relational health? Well, you know, if we were meeting in person or if I had better internet or it just isn't the same or I don't like Zoom, it's like whose responsibility is it? Now, I want to make sure I'm clear on this. Sometimes relationships get so damaged, they're hard to fix. And the, about the only thing you can do is just turn them over to the Lord and just pray and say, God, I need you to help come in and heal or fix or do, I, I, this is out of my hands. Lord, please touch this person and, you know, all, all of that. And you ask for God's help. And, I, and there's times to do that. But I want to make sure we're getting real here. And we're not using that as a cop-out. Throw your hands up and just make it God's problem. God, I can't. You got to do it all. Sometimes instead of taking responsibility, I think God, you know, hears us say, God, take it. And I wonder if he wants to pray right back at us. What about you? What are you going to do? <laughs> you know? One time Jesus was with his disciples and he was teaching this huge crowd of people. There's 5,000 people and, and, and families and so forth. Math, Mark chapter 6, verse 35. It says it was late in the afternoon, so they've been there a long time. And the disciples come up to Jesus and they go, Jesus, oh, um, basically you got a problem here. What do you do when you got a problem? Well, you take it over to Jesus. Well, that's what they did. That seems like a good move. They say, we're out here in the middle of nowhere. It's a remote place and it's already getting late. So Jesus, you better send the crowds home so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and they can get themselves something to eat. That was their solution. Notice that the solution they came up with didn't require them to do anything other than to identify the problem. Ever done that? I got a solution for this relationship and everything, blah, 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 that you suggest just so happens to be suggestions for what everyone else can do to make it better or fix it. I love Jesus' answer to this. It's awesome. Look at verse 37a. Jesus says, wait a second. You feed them. You, you get them something to eat. You take responsibility. And even then, when God himself in the flesh is trying to assign responsibility, we, we sometimes still push back like they did. In verse 37, it says, wait, wait, I can't, you know, how can I do that? How am I supposed to feed him? I don't have anything. I can't. We've got to work for months. There are not much money. And Jesus finally says, all right, we're going to do this together, which is always the best way to do anything, including your relationships. Verse 38, he says, all right, <clears throat> let's do this together. How much bread do you got? And he says, go and find out. He gives them a job like, you get involved. Let's do this together. Doesn't mean you sit back and watch. 
Don't be a passive spectator to the problem you bring to God. They come back in the report, we got five loaves and two fish. Some kid, you know, stopped at Chick-fil-A on the way. So finally they do something, they take some responsibility, and Jesus takes it away from there. And that's when he has everybody sit down, and he blesses that stuff and breaks it, and I don't know how, he just keeps passing it out. And he lets them distribute it, and they had 12 baskets left over, and everybody there ate and had their fill. God did that miracle that day, and he started by saying, I want you to do something. It's the same way in our relationships. When you've got a relationship that's hurting and you need to bring God in on it, instead of playing the blame game and instead of saying, God, I need you to do all of it, I think sometimes he says, okay, what are you ready to do? What do you got in your hands? What can we do? When we do all we can do, that's when God steps in to do what only he can do. When you do all you can do, That's when I think God is most pleased to step in and do what only God can do in your relationship. So there's a big rift in a relationship you have, maybe. And you want to blame them because of what they did. Or you want to blame God for not fixing it. But if you haven't owned your part and said, you know, I'm sorry, or I could have done better, or I don't want to hurt you, then you're not taking your responsibility. You're not owning your stuff to do what only you can do. And I don't know how we expect God to come in and do what only he can do. So the first thing we do when we're looking at our relationships is turn around, look in the mirror and start with your own responsibility. We want to say, man, if they would just quit shooting their mouth off, if they would be more less humble, more humble, she needs to reach out more. She, he, he could call me once in a while. He needs to stop manipulating. They need to apologize. Okay, you're right. They do. They probably need to do all those things. And you can list all those things that they've done wrong if you'd like to. And we have our lists, don't we? Right? He walked out on me. She cheated. You stole my childhood. That stuff happens. That's real. They always make me feel so devalued and inadequate and small. Yeah, I've made that list. We, we all have made that list. We all got a list like that. The list you make when you're mad, when you're driving by yourself and you're rehearsing this speech you want to give someday. Maybe you've given it in your mind a few times. Maybe you've told them in person, this is how much you tick me off and how much problem you've caused in my life. Here's the thing. It doesn't really help. If we started by saying, think of a relationship that you would like to see get better, that actually doesn't make a relationship get better. I mean, it might be healthy to identify the problem if you're able to talk it through, but just pointing the finger and thinking of all the things they did to offend and hurt you, it, dwelling on that doesn't fix anything. So th this is this we saw in our house all the time. Maybe you had the same problem. We had a serious condition around our home when our kids were little. Once in a while, it was called, it's called the wells. You ever had the wells problem? A serious case of the wells. You look out the window and you see one of the kids like throwing a ball right at the face of another one on purpose and who ends up crying and coming running inside. And you confront the other one who threw the ball and you say, what in the world were you doing? And they say, well, and then some sob story continues. Well, it can be pronounced different ways like, well, well, or well, or well, it can be pronounced different ways, but it's pretty much the same thing. Don't do that. Well, he stop saying that. Well, she you're late for dinner. Well, you, right? Whoa, 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 whoa. You ever get a case of the wells in your house? Kids, listen, it's always the second one who gets caught, all right? 
Just deal with it. That's life. Don't try to blame someone else. You got caught. That's the way it happens. You're the one we saw, okay? Kids aren't the only ones who get a case of the wells once in a while. Someone tells you you're defensive. And when you're like that, Ben, it honestly makes me not want to bring stuff up or be vulnerable around you, and it shuts down conversation. Well, hey, you ghosted me. What happened? Well, you... Sounds like your wife and you got into a pretty intense argument the other night. I mean, are you sure everything's okay? Well, she... I know we think if that other person would just stop doing that and start doing the right things, everything would be so much better. So that's why we spend so much time and energy trying to get them to do stuff and to stop doing stuff, and to start thinking a different way, and to be a different person. It's why we make it our full-time job sometimes, um, trying, trying to just get so frustrated that, that they're not doing what we want, and instead of trying to, they're just making us mad, they're making us late, they're leaving their clothes, they're, 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 they're not, um, they're squeezing the toothpaste wrong, right? They're doing the holidays wrong, they're driving the car wrong. Anybody tracking with any of this, right? We spend all our time trying to control and fix them and get them to stop doing that and start doing that so I can get some peace and quiet and I can finally get back on track and this relationship can get better if you would just do all of that stuff. Let me just ask you one question. <laughs> you know, how's that working out for you? <laughs> it doesn't work. You can't control them. All right? You can't control them. Do we need to say that together? Would that be helpful? All right, out of the count of three, we're all going to say, I can't control them. Ready? I can't control them. I know some of you are going to fight this. You're going you're gonna to hold on. You're not going to give up easily, but you can't control them. The person that you have the most influence over, the only one you can even come close to controlling, is you. So that happens when you take responsibility. I, I love that 1 Corinthians 13 passage. It says, when I was a child, you know what? I acted like a child. I thought and reasoned and spoke like one. But when I grew up, you know, I put some of those childish things away childish things like the blame game like the selfish sort of it's always your fault game let me leave you with one last verse this is from paul to the romans they had all kinds of relationship problems they were disagreeing about all kind of stuff they had relationships that mattered but they wanted it to get better and that's when he says in romans 12 18 hey you can't control everything, but do all you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all you can to live in peace with everyone. My friend, are you doing all you can do to live at peace with everyone? That relationship in question, are you doing all you can? Have you done it all? Are you doing all that you can do, not trying to do what only they can do? Are you doing all you can do? Own your own growth. 
Own your own growth. Take responsibility. Step up. It's not someone else's job. No one can grow for you. No one can read the Bible for you. No one can say I'm sorry for you. No one can ask for forgiveness for you. No one can serve and be generous and humble for you. You've got to do all of that. And in a relationship, there's certain things that no one can do for you but you. You can't control them, but you've got to own your own part. Do all that you can. Do all you can. And do it. Own your part. Maybe ask Jesus, what's my part? What's the part that my responsibility is? What is it? Maybe it's as easy as letting go of some golf or time with the girls or video games in order to invest in relationship, to spend more time, to be on time, to to hug more, to listen more, to pick up your socks. I don't know. Well, shouldn't they? Yes, they should. But you do all you can do. Think about that relationship and just ask, you know, God, what are you trying to teach me about me through that relationship? God speaks to us in so many beautiful ways, not just through his scriptures, but through nature and music and art and He's probably speaking to you through this relationship right now. And if you listen, you might just learn what it is that he's saying to you, not about them, but about you in an area that would answer your question, how do I grow? Pay attention to that relationship. What's the one thing you need to do to own your own growth? Let's pray. God, we, we ask for your help now. Because uh, we can't control our, our, our friends, our family. Sometimes we feel like we can't even control ourselves very well. So we ask for your help in relationships, and we pray that you'll help us to, to take the, the big old log out of our own eye before we go trying to fix the speck in everyone else's. Help us to take responsibility for what we can, so we can do all we can do, so you can do what only you can do and help our relationships truly get better. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.